This is Sassine Pa a Star Trek. I'm Skiltau. I'm Ben Velding. And we are talking today about episode six, Krill, in Seth MacFarlane's uh, uplifting remix of Star Trek called The Orville. In an attempt to understand the Krill, the Union has Mercer and Malloy go undercover on a Krill warship. Uh, they then have to thwart a Krill plot to exterminate a colony. Yeah, it's a little bit like in TNG when Troy went undercover as a Cardassian in Face of the Enemy. Classic. Crew of the Enterprise does a lot of cloak and dagger stuff with Romulans in general. Uh, Kirk did it in the Enterprise incident. Yeah, in the end of this. Uh, the woman at the end. I feel like there's a similar parallel there, too. Yeah. A weaker parallel, depending on how the next season plays out, <laughs> is a piece of the action in which the entire religion of a planet was based around a single book that they found. Hmm. And, of course, Operation Annihilate, where the original crew does use like literal light to kill bad guys. And it is, uh, much like it is in this episode, it is kind of a magic kill everything button, which is disappointing because the Krill are, are really underserved by a magical kill everything button. They're kind of the central alien race of the Orville, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I was just going to say the whole series seems to be structured around them, yeah. And this is the first time we get them really well characterized. The The Krill people that we see are intelligent and rational. And you know they balance that with a worldview that we find abhorrent. But they do have like a religion and a social structure and distinct personalities. Uh, we even learn about their biology and we get hints at their larger worldview. Yeah, those hints are really tantalizing. They give you just a little bit. I mean, critics probably look at it and think it's a uh, stereotype just grabbing at what's obvious for the audience. But I think they might be building towards an overall arc based on Moby Dick, which, if you remember, is a uh, particular favorite of Star Trek for some reason. True, true. It's, it's, it's a favorite of Star Trek because it's in the public domain. <laughs> That's fair. The Krill are named the Krill. That stuff whalesy. And... Mm. I did not get a good look at the painting of their uh, god, but I am taking that to be Ahab, their version of Ahab. Because it makes right. sense that they'd worship a killer of space whales if they're naming themselves the Krill. Okay. You might think I'm going out on a limb with that, and maybe I am. But if we suppose that the whole series is built around this conflict with the Krill, we haven't seen any space whales or like godlings yet, whereas in TOS, or the original series, I'm sure we've encountered it plenty of both by now <laughs> three episodes in yeah i think i think there was an all-powerful being in episode one so in the original pilot well the second pilot yeah that's true i think they orville is just laying their groundwork a lot better like uh new dimensions they have that two-dimensional space thing that a ship flies through and the orville has to fly through i think that could be them laying the groundwork for a fourth dimensional space whales not showing up in three-dimensional space. And then the Black Matter Storm in Priya could be the spoutings of a space whale, which would give the Orville and other races the ability to track the whales. Then also, the uh, religion arc with Kelly Grayson near the end of the season could be a prelude to whatever it is they're going to do with the Krill religion next season. Overall, I think there's going to be an arc like the krill naturally grow out of their religion possibly there might also be time travel 
or we might get to see the founding of the Krill religion. Okay. Or just more things about how religion works and why their religion is has survived into the space age. Yeah, they do mention uh, in this episode how strange it is that the Krill haven't progressed past those aggressive tendencies where so many other races have. If their god Ahab was a giant burning face like in Star Trek V, that would be a pretty good reason to keep religion around. Hmm? Especially if he keeps shouting at them to go hunt the whales. <laughs> or if their world was threatened by whales like uh, yeah. in Star Trek IV. Yeah, and we do talk about the their holy crusade, but I don't think we really get what that crusade is in this episode. No, they've got a lot so of room. That... Along with that holy crusade, they talk about how humans don't have souls or anything. And I think that's uh, one of the things that confused the our lady NPC, the school teacher yeah. crew, about why Mercer saved the kids. Why would someone without a soul save the kids? Wow, I I read that scene completely differently. <laughs> we should probably just... <laughs> I tend to think the characters have more nuance than uh, probably you want to give them credit for. Curious. It's curious that they put kids on their ship and that we have this conflict from our good guys about doing violence but having to kind of tiptoe around the kids. Um, it's a conflict for our heroes and for a series that, that takes so much from TNG in the best way... Um, it is weird that we don't see that kind of conflict in Star Trek of where, hey, we have to do violence, but oh man, we might kill some innocent people. I can't think of an episode where that was like a big conflict. No, I can't either. Um, may maybe, maybe yeah. when they saw Borg babies on the first Borg cube they encountered, but the Enterprise never had a hope of yeah. destroying that ship, so I don't think that counts. Yeah. <laughs> They, they never came that close oh. to blowing up some Borg. I guess I guess Dr. Crusher did in Descent when the Borg got the free will and then they had a ship. I suppose there may have been more nurseries on that ship that she blew up what with the sun. Mm. But uh, They still don't get very yeah. much into it, though. <laughs> I mean, even then. Yeah, but, but the central conflict is that these people who do bad things have a nursery on board. Which is amazing. Uh, that's It's fun to think of the Krill as the good guys here, like TNG. Like... That was Kirk, or not Kirk, that cool. was uh, Picard and Riker, the captain and the high priest. And Mercer just comes in and wrecks their shit. Like, the... I mean, yeah, there there is a parallel with the Next Generation crew there. Because um, the Enterprise goes out and they're like, we're going to go into space and we're going to explore things and learn about things and bring our family with us because we're not doing anything wrong. This is all fine. Um... And then the Krill also bring their families with them, and they have the same perspective that they're not doing anything wrong. This is going to be fine. Um, and I, th I think it's an invitation to ask about the moral elements. Yeah, of that. that's one of the things Orville does well. Well, it is one thing that I have seen Orville do well. TNG didn't cover this very well. The other show that's on right now, I like to see Orville and Discovery as two faces of a coin. But Discovery would never... Uh, address this either they might make uh pay leave they might pay lip service to social issues like this like but it's often more focused on the individual like with the tardigrade or uh what made the when they visited the rebels in the mirror universe that was a great scene a great bit 
but it was again just about how, what makes those individuals tick. And they screw that up sometimes too. Uh, like Harry Mudd, for instance, they flattened him into a one-note sociopath, whereas uh, the Orville, they preserve nuance in their characters. I mean, even Malloy has a versatile range of drama and humor that helps hold this episode together. He does. He's a good, um, a good representative of what this ep- of what this episode does, and I think what the Orville really can do, which is to take, um, a lot of good jokes and take some drama and mix it together. And Scott Grimes does that really well. Like he's he's been acting since he was like a kid. Yeah, that's. Um, I think I've yeah, even seen him in a couple of those things, but. Yeah. Um, I mean, we looked it up, but he was. He played a kid on an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, um, Evolution. Um, he's just some kid that Wesley knows. Oh, that's probably the season three opener. Sorry, I was thinking about the one with. Yeah, that's what I was uh, thinking. The one where they all too. get the Barclays disease and Barclay becomes a spider. Anyway, so. Yeah, no, that's. Yep. Season three is the one with. Um, dr kelso um anyway so yeah so he's been doing this for a while and malloy's character is the funny guy and for this episode which just throws a lot of jokes at us and a lot of hilarious premises it also gets into the drama yeah this episode could be super dark if they played it completely straight especially in the the first in what do you call that the teaser before the credits yeah love that that was all great i love all the fast-paced humor or the ones they do as uh <laughs> interstitial bits right like there's family on the planet but there's a lot of single people too yeah it's a good one yeah yeah the slower jokes uh like the awkward interview when they are talking to the captain and the high priest for the first time that's something about the show and mcfarland's shows in general that i have a hard time with they drag on just long enough, sometimes even just like a quarter of a second, half a second too long for me. So I end up walking out of the room multiple times and then coming back. <laughs> That's interesting. I I mean, one of the things is that, uh, I mean, the comedy is kind of its own comedy. Like, it just feels like a refined version of a lot of jokes you see out there. Um, but the context makes it work, so I kind of enjoy it. Um, absolutely uh, I enjoy the jokes they're fun Like, uh, there's this other show called Shit's Creek as far as I know it has nothing to do with Star Trek or the people on the orbit yeah. but they just telegraph the jokes pretty well so you know how they're going to run how they're going to end and it's good and I like it but yeah. they just drag on way too long <laughs> Orville is not nearly as bad in that respect for me but it is still something that happens right and uh, um, and the deal is in this episode they do that thing where if a character says something aside to another character a third character who is like two feet away will not hear that aside because it's a joke and it exists on a different plane they do that a lot yeah it will be yeah and it's not clear how much of that is whatever it is that's translating stuff between races for them If the sh- I don't know if the show will ever address why everybody speaks English <laughs> yeah. Uh, there should be no way or if it's uh yeah. that the krill can't tell what they're speaking or if it's just a conceit of how it works and or if the krill are just being super super polite and pretending they don't hear it i mean i, I don't want to get into that level of 
of meta-analysis. It's right. That's if they did that, that would yeah, be yeah, great because yeah. it would have to be clever to work. Um, but you know, maybe the krill speak other languages, and then so he's like, oh, they must be from you know the krill version of of Malaysia. Therefore, I don't know what speak what language they're speaking. Um, and he just assumes it's a krill dialect he's not familiar with, and the auto translator picks it up. But um, you know, I think honestly, it's just we need this episode to work. So these two people that we know are going to infiltrate the krill, despite the fact that the earliest social convention should give them away, not to mention language. And they're going to make jokes, even though that should give them away because we need the jokes. And it works for me though. Like it all works for me and it probably shouldn't. Yeah. The, um, the jokes really help. I don't know if suspension of disbelief is the right phrase for it, but it really puts you in the right tone for the episode. It's uh, it's really incredible. And I, you know, I analyze shows a lot. I do a podcast where I do it to Star Trek. I got this thing. And I don't know why the krill works the way it does on those two wavelengths. The jokes are funny. And, as, and you know, they're as funny as anything else in the Orville. Uh, and the drama works as well as the, the drama in the Orville works. I'm concerned about the kid being saved. I'm concerned about this colony being saved. Uh, I'm worried about um, Malloy's new leg, you know, and and I don't think I've ever had that happen before, uh, where that doesn't feel tonally jarring or out of place. It could be timed very well. Like, it is time to paper over, like, every moment where you would be distracted by one of those things. You've got this instead. Mm. Maybe so. It could be. I'm not... I don't write scripts yeah. for a living. This, this episode saved me watching the Orville because I was really shaky at this point in, in the original airing. And this can, this showed me what it could do. Yeah. And I hope it continues with this kind of thing in the future too. Yeah. In particular, I'd like to see the Krill or I'd like to see the Orville save a Krill colony from a space. Well, <laughs> uh, kind of the way the enterprise C does in yesterday's enterprise. It, I'd also assuming that next season will focus on a different character rather than Mercer. If it focuses on Grayson, yeah. for instance, it would be great to have the episode start off with the Orville hearing about Kelly's old ship taking damage or something. Some Anything to just get them yeah. talking to Kelly's ship so we can see some conflict between her and her old crew. Yeah. If possible, I'd also like to touch on the Krill concept of a soul right. in this. I don't know how to work that into saving the Krill colony. I mean, you, you know, the premise is why do they think only they have souls? The idea is that you know, you want to see Kelly's old ship. You want to learn more about the Krill's connection and their religion uh, and about the space whales. So if you have her old ship, let's just say the USS Lincoln, and they were like observing a space whale or observing some Krill, and then they were damaged because both of those things are dangerous, then you have this scenario where maybe the Orville goes to help them and they're all like, oh, hey, it's the USS Lincoln. Oh, look, you got beat up. What, tell us everything you learned and we're going to pick up and try to resolve whatever problem's happening. So then maybe the Lincoln gives them bad information and the Orville acts on that and then something goes wrong and they have to confront the crew of the Lincoln and Kelly has to face her old crew and why were they dishonest? And, you know, they just wanted to look like they were getting some stuff done because, you know, not all missions are great. Sometimes you just don't get a lot out of it. So you have kind of a human story there. You're on track to learn more about the krill and or the whales. I like that. There's some good... uh... I don't know if that's a leadership lesson necessarily, but a good yeah. teamwork lesson. And then, as the Orville often does, I th- 
I think it, it self-reflects to the point where it undercuts itself. But in keeping with that, you could definitely have uh, Mercer and Kelly say, hey, maybe we pressured them into telling us too much, into looking like they were being too on the ball there, and therefore they lied to, to meet our expectations and maybe we're at fault here. Um, you know, I'd, I'd be interested in that episode. That sounds fun. Um, That's... It also gives you some easy hooks to lead on to other episodes. Yeah, I mean, I I'm always happy to see more of the union and more of more of the universe in terms of incidental characters, um, background. I'd like to see more of other alien races. Like we don't see much telepathy, empathy either, or what passes for telepathy and other psionic powers <laughs> in Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. I kind of think that's going to have something to do with what Krill souls are, or why the Krill think they're the only ones with a soul, but I've really got no reason to think that right now. I mean, it, it would be a little hard to push it after this episode, when, unless you go with the fact that the Krill do totally see through Mercer and Malloy's disguise from the start. But I, um, I think that was just the high priest realizing that they were bad at social conventions. Yeah. but <laughs> um. Maybe so. But, um, you know, we are going to find out in season two. Um, and next week we are going to watch, is it, is it majority rules next week? Yeah. The one with the, the upvotes and the downvotes to murder people or not. Yeah. That's majority rule. All right. So we're going to go over that next week. And I guess we do not have a sign off. We still do not. Maybe, uh, by season two, we'll have one until we get a sign off. See ya. <laughs>